0: Good morning. I always take Scott seriously, so I've got to try something out. Are you ready? Easter jam. (laughs) I'm going to work on that this week. Easter jam. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you have your Bible with you this morning or you'd like to turn in your pew Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be reading in a few moments Uh, verses 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. You know, about three weeks ago on this Sunday, the Daytona 500 was run. And I know that's one of your favorite races. Uh, It was run on an oval that sat 123,500 people and they tell us that there were close to 9 million spectators who would be watching it on television. There were 42 drivers that qualified, and they were going to run around that track 201 times over about an average of a a three-and-a-half-hour period. 9 million spectators. Now, you know, our church believes strongly that every person ought to be in worship regularly. We believe that every person should be part of a life group, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, any day, any evening during the week. You see, our worship comes out of our relationship with Jesus. It shows our love for him. It gives us an opportunity to praise him, Life group gives us the opportunity to study with other people, to grow in our faith, and to make new relationships that maybe we would never have had otherwise. So our church believes strongly in worship and being a participant actively in a life group. But also we believe that every person ought to serve, ought to serve others, because that's important. It's important to get into the lives of other people who are around us. Unfortunately, across the United States today, in U.S. churches, spectatorship has taken a hold. And you're gonna find out by the time we end this morning that that's not what the Bible teaches at all, quite to the contrary of that. Now, what concrete actions can you and I take That we won't fall into that spectator trap, and that we will become everything God wants us to be as part of the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church. What steps can we take? Well, if you're not a believer this morning, I'm speaking to you right now. Maybe you've been struggling, maybe you've been searching. There's an emptiness in your life, there's a hole that needs to be filled. Uh, you've been looking for something that would give you meaningfulness in life and you haven't found it yet and you're wondering this morning as you walked into this building I wonder if it's Jesus Christ I've heard people tell me about him maybe he's who I'm searching for maybe he's the significance in my life that I don't have right now well later in the service we're going to give an invitation and I know I'm speaking to somebody in here that needs and wants to make a decision for Christ. You just haven't yet for a variety of reasons. So I'm inviting you this morning to do that at the end of our service. But maybe you're a believer and you attend worship regularly and maybe you're part of a life group on top of that. Then I'm saying to you, serve. Serve for the Lord don't serve for yourself serve for the Lord in serving other people and their needs now you might say well Mike I attend worship I think I've been doing a little bit of serving uh you know along the way but I'm not sure if I've ever really committed to being part of a life group why not now why not take the opportunity to get to to get to know some people that you can relate to, that you have things in common with, that you can grow in your spiritual life with and make new relationships. Why not try that now? So I guess I'm speaking this morning to the person who doesn't know Christ yet, who worships but doesn't necessarily think they need to be in a life group, and I'm speaking to people who are worshiping and they're in a life group, but they're not really serving Happens to be right here. I'm doing this because I need it. Well, the people of this church need you, and the Lord needs you more than you will ever know. I'm going to move to Ephesians now, chapter 4, beginning in the 11th verse. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers I wanna share with you that Jesus equips the church to obtain the most. Jesus equips the church, the body of Christ, right here at First Baptist Church, to get the very most that he needs to touch other people's lives. Jesus equips every one of us in this room who are believers, he equips us to serve. Now, I want to direct your attention to the seventh verse in chapter 4. It says, To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given. Folks, it's not necessarily a saving grace because you're already saved. It's more an equipping grace. Grace. A saving grace is that grace of God that comes into your life through the Holy Spirit that enables you to eventually trust in Christ, receive him, ask him for forgiveness in your life, and then start living for him as the Lord of your life. Saving grace. But this is enabling grace that allows each one of us to take the gift or gifts God has bestowed upon us and start using those for the effectiveness of the body of Christ. It's an enabling grace. Now, Steve Sides asked me this morning, he said, now Mike, you're gonna use some Hebrew this morning, aren't you? I said, no, Steve, but I may use a little Greek and I'm gonna use it one time. Where does that word equip come from? The word equip comes from the Greek two words in the Greek. The first word is kata, K-A-T-A, and it means down, down. The other word is the word artos, and it means joint. In other words, putting the two together, kata artos means down joint. It means a bone that has been damaged and is being repaired again. It's something that moves in in the place of something else to make it better and stronger. I noticed when I was working on this sermon, one time I looked down at my wrist and I saw this scar that's been there for about 65 years now. When I was 12 years old, I was out ice skating one Sunday afternoon and trying to do two fancy things. That was a mistake. I went up in the air, I turned around, I came down and landed on the wrist. Uh, they took me to the hospital about three days later. The doctor tried to manipulate it back in place. It kept slipping. So they operated on me the next day, made an incision in there, sutured the bones together, and you know, I was fine. He said, Mike, you'll never play football, and there's probably some things you won't ever be able to do with that left hand. But I fooled him. I did play football. But every time the past couple of weeks, I looked down at that wrist, and I saw that scar... It reminded me of kata artos, something that was broken and fixed. And God is in the fixing business. And he wants to restore us from what we were to what we can be. And we can do that. All we have to do is follow him. Uh, What did Peter and John do when they'd been fishing all night long and they came in, what'd they do first? Uh, you might say, I'll bet you they lay down, they were dead tired, uh, they slept. No. Well then, if they didn't sleep, they were, they'd been hungry all night, they used all those muscles to pull in those nets. I'll bet they ate a good breakfast. No, nope, that didn't happen first. Before they even left the boat, they mended their nets. You've read that multiple times. They took tangles out of the net. They mended holes that were there. They removed debris out of the net that had been caught by the net during their fishing. They did all those things so they would be equipped the next evening when they went out again. They would be ready to catch those fish. What do we need at First Baptist Church? What do we need more than anything? We need people who are enlisted to do what God has in store for them. We need to have them equipped to do what God has called them to do. And then we need to allow them to do it, don't we? We've got a lot of needs uh, in our church right now. Uh, Kind of reminds me of a football team. You know, a football team has to have a group that is ready to repair equipment on a moment's notice. It happens on third down and 13, and somebody's equipment gets broken, and they have to step in there and fix that equipment as quickly as they possibly can. There's another group that's called on when there's an injury, and they have to go to that injured player and take care of them. They have to decide to put them in one of those tents or to take them back for x-rays in the locker room or send them by ambulance off to the hospital. There has to be a team ready to do that. They need people who can scan the tickets they need people who can provide hydration to the players and even the referees. They need security and the list goes on. You know what I found out? You won't believe this, David. I found out while you were gone that the Houston Rodeo has 35,000 volunteers. 35,000. And since attending the Uh, Rodeo for the first time since 1978, I've talked to some of you who are volunteers at the rodeo and how excited you are to be a part of that. I want you to know something. The people I saw working there as volunteers, they were so excited. They loved what they were doing. I want you to know something. If you get involved here, you will be so excited. You'll be jumping up and down. You'll be telling other people you won't believe what I'm doing and you'll want to do it more often but we try not to tie anybody down and work them to death uh, the goal in the church is to develop people develop you and I and we can do that we just need people who are willing to go about allowing us to do that through the Holy Spirit so Jesus develops us into a mature body. He develops us. You know what I begin to think about this week? Texas A&M football. Are y'all f- Yeah, uh, some of y'all are familiar with that, aren't you? Yeah. Well, A&M went out the last two or three years and they went after the best players in America. And this past recruiting year, they obtained the number 1 class in the country. And they probably had as good of facilities as any other school, top-notch school, in the country. They provide everything for them. They've got good practice facilities. They've got a tremendous stadium. I've sat there in that stadium when the noise was so loud, it was almost overwhelming. I felt the stadium swaying. And Lisa Callahan tells me it was built that way to sway a little bit to give. I don't understand all that engineering, but I know that happens. They take care of their dietary needs. They look after them so that when they recruit an individual, they can make them the healthiest person that they can and provide them with the tools necessary to be a great football player and maybe a good student as well. They enlist them, and then they equip them Do you know what's missing? Developing them. They may have the best in the country, but unless they're developed, where they can become a three-star and be made into a four-star, they'll never make it to that top four. I think they will, but it's going to take developing those players. And a lot of football teams in America do not develop their players. If they get four-star players, they think that's enough. Our job in the church is to develop people, to get them ready to touch other people's lives for Christ. Where are we right now in this process that I've been talking about? Uh, Pastor Scott sent out a text message to all the life group leaders uh, a week or 10 days ago. It's not important when it was, a week or 10 days ago. And he said in that, there are a lot of needs in our church right now. There's a lot of opportunities to minister to children, to minister to students, adults, senior adults. And he kind of went on from there. And he ended the text by saying this, right now we need 70 people to bring ourselves up to full strength and take care of the needs that are here in our church. 70 people Scott I think that's maybe somewhat easier than 35,000 but to us it's a great need the need for 70 is probably as great as a 35,000 for the rodeo association so we're going to go after that we need to we need to for lives that are out there all around this church and in this city they need to be reached for Christ They need to be loved on. They need to be accepted like maybe they've never been accepted in their lives, but we get them here and they see the love of you all and the way you go after them with caring concern. Man, you can't beat that for anything. So I want to close this out this morning by saying, how can we complete our enlistment and our equipment and then turn it in to developing our people. What if we do? What will the benefit be if we do that? Well, there will be a unity of purpose. You know, back in the Corinthian church, uh, there wasn't so much a unity of purpose because they were all thinking differently theologically, and they were all giving their support to different individuals. And Paul knew that had to be corrected for that church to survive and flourish and do the things that they needed to do. They needed to be developed. Um, What about today? What if we did that? What if we enlisted the 70 people, equipped them, and then developed them as well as many others in the church? What What would there be? I think there would be a unity of joy. I think we'd all be just overflowing with joy because of our contacts with all of these people and seeing lives changed, seeing people come to Christ, seeing them baptized up there, and then serving in the church. And you could say, I remember when Joe or Sally first came here, and I remember how other people loved them and ministered to them, and then we enlisted them to serve, and we equipped them, and now they've made full circle. I'm so proud of them and you're just beaming with joy because God gave you the opportunity to be a part of that. There will be understanding. I think we'll understand about ministering to children. Why in the world are we ministering to children? Well, Mike, because they're little bitty kids and we love them to death, and who's going to minister to them if we don't? Well, part of that's correct. If we don't, they won't get that ministry. They won't get that touch, that love of Christ. But we want the whole church to understand why we're doing that. Why are we ministering to students? Why are we ministering to adults and senior adults? I don't think we've got the big picture yet of why prayer is so important. Mike, I pray. Hey, I pray all the, I think I pray every day. Uh, well, I think what we'll see is people praying for their church on their own without any coaxing it'll just become a part of their life they'll be doing that because they understand why it's so important Mike I pray for the staff I pray for Pastor David all the time I pray for Scott and Omar all the time yep you probably do but do you pray for other people other lay people just like yourselves who are in ministry of this church and trying to touch people as well. Do you pray for ministries when you see something on the church calendar? Do you pray for that event? Some maybe, most probably don't. But when we obtain that big picture, I think we'll be praying, we'll be bathing this church in prayer all the time because we will discern what is important. Last but not least, there's going to be a love extended I think we will end up loving the strangers that we come in contact with. I really do. I think, What you say, what will that look like? What will it sound like? Let me, let me give you an example. It will be somebody coming up to me because I work in hospitality, and they'll say, Mike, is there any way that you could allow me to greet people at the door or work in the connection center? I want to do that so badly. Right now, they're not standing in line. But once they grasp that love and the need the way God could use them, maybe they will be standing in line. You know, we don't know that. There's a need in the children's area. On Sunday morning, we're okay at the early hour. But the late hour, providing child care for preschoolers, they need more help and it can be on a rotating basis. Do you realize if you volunteered to do that, you'd only have to serve one Sunday out of every eight? Yeah. You say, well, I've thought about maybe ministering, volunteering for taking care of children during life group, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday night, Sunday afternoon. There's several needs there. I think I might enjoy doing that, and I think you would. It takes those kind of people to put this together with the focus this church is headed toward, the dream, the reality. It's coming. It's coming. We want everybody to be a part of that. Uh, Precisely, what do we need? We need those folks that would rotate with Jana on late hour Sunday morning. We need some folks on Sunday afternoon during life group time. We need some folks on Wednesday night. She's developing a great program on Wednesday night for the children. That could be on a rotating basis as well. We need people relieving some of our student uh, volunteers to give them maybe a break, even if it was one, one night. I think you could volunteer for Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday or Thursday night, whatever that is, and it still wouldn't crucify your own personal schedule you'd still probably have two Sundays free every month where you could just sit there and enjoy everything and soak it up. Those are some of the needs, just a few, but it's really, really important. Now, where are you right now? I think that's what it really boils down to at the end of my message this morning. Where are you? Are you one of those that needs to receive Christ? You know about Him, but you don't know Him. You don't have that personal relationship with Him. You could tell a story that you learned from maybe that high in vacation Bible school, but then you got away from church and you moved further away from God, and now you're moving back toward Him, but you just don't know Him yet. But the desire is there. All it takes is that first step and you will be right with Him. Maybe you're not part of a life group yet. I want to really encourage you to do that. I started a life group uh, in January on Wednesday night. Uh, we probably got about 14 to 18 who come regularly. It is such a great blessing. I can't even tell you how much of a blessing it is for them and for me, and for us to be a part of, of each other's lives. Man, there's nothing like it. I've not experienced anything like that in 46 years of ministry. Oh, I've seen some good things. But this tops it all. And maybe you're saying, I'm in life group. I attend worship as regularly as I can. But I'm really not serving. I don't know what to do. If somebody could just help me know what to do, then maybe I would do it nobody's invited me. Well, this morning, I'm inviting you. Here, here's what it's going to sound like. As we're singing in just a moment, if you've never invited Christ in your life, I want you to just stop right where you are. Stop singing. Just begin talking to God and tell Him, Lord, would you forgive me? Forgive me of my sin. And come into my life. I want to start living for you now. I've wasted too much time up until now. I want that to happen now. Lord, they tell me you love me. I think you do. I want to be a part of you, and I want you to be a part of me. And as that music plays, if you want to come down and meet Pastor David and just say, Pastor, I've made a decision today. It's probably the most important decision I've ever made in my life. I just needed to share that with somebody. Or maybe you're not part of a life group right now and that's been kind of hanging over your head. Make that decision this morning and on your way out, go to the Connection Center and sign up that you want to be part of a life group. And I promise you, somebody will contact you this week and they'll invite you Or maybe it's down to serving. My title of my message, serve the Lord. Maybe that is what the Holy Spirit has been calling you to do. You just don't know what it is. Would you in into that? And this morning, you're going to see Scott. Scott, I'm not picking on you. You're going to see Scott roaming around here after the worship service. Go up to him and say, Scott, I would like to serve. I don't care if you contact me, but could somebody contact me this week to talk to me about serving? That would make all the difference in the world. Would you stand with me as I pray? And then David's going to come and we'll open it up for you. Lord, thank you for the majesty of your name. The power of you, the Savior of our lives desire to make you the Lord of our lives Lord we give you this time may it be so endearing to you may everything we do and think be pleasing to you and bring honor to your name we're listening to you Lord we're listening for your Holy Spirit to guide us and I know you will in Jesus holy name we